0: Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from the Vine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I'm excited that you are walking with me. What we do each day is we look at about three chapters of Scripture that I'm just organically reading through in my time with the Lord, and we're going to discuss them for around 20 minutes. You're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters individually, but hopefully together we'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as we're meeting each day. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping down on your word. I'm Today's passage is from Isaiah 49, 50, and 51. So many beautiful promises in these three chapters, and uh, just a consistent plea from the lord to his people uh of to the call is to remember that he is the god who forged us the one who made us the one who crafted us and for purpose he did so and to remember that he is not um ever going to leave us or forsake us to turn his back on us you know and then it is to ask us why do we fear why do we worry why do we consider what man can do to us when we consider how god has made us and is always with us and always for us and um It's kind of the back and forth of those two, those two principles. And it's over and over again. And uh, I would say probably the third most consistent word in these three chapters is the Lord's reminder to them that He has the ability to comfort them. He is able to comfort. And so we're going to dive into this, but those are the three big takeaways as we're reading through this. The, The big takeaways for me, anyway. And so in uh, chapter 49, it says that the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet truly my right is with the Lord, and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be His servant, to bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength, he says. It's too light of a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. So just this powerful reminder of, again of just reminding us, You know, and even just as we read this, you know, this, this passage where just that part where it says, and he said to me, verse 3, 49, 3, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Now the scriptures speak a lot of Israel and they speak a lot of the present day Israel and the former, the former people of Israel and the future people of Israel. And it's sort of, when we look at it as a nation, you think of like America, which is the one most of us are more familiar with. There was an America of old, the the settlers and people that lived here. There's an an America even older than that with the Native Americans. There's an America today. And there will be a future America of some proportion, at least, you know, some degree of a future. We don't know for sure how far out we're going to go. But, so when God speaks of Israel, He speaks of the past Uh, Israel sometimes, He speaks of the present Israel, and He speaks prophetically also to the future Israel. Now, I want to present to you something interesting. We are the Israel in which was spoken of, of the future. Now, some people don't like that, and I get it, but I'm not saying, I'm not taking away anything apart of God's plan or God's heart for the people that are still walking on the soil of Israel today. God's heart is for them. But I believe as you study in Scripture, specifically in the New Testament, you will find that the Word says that we are now grafted in and that we have now become a part of Israel. And that the Scriptures even say that we are true Jews now. Because becoming Jewish and becoming a people of God's is no longer of consideration of the blood of man but of the blood of jesus and when i receive jesus as my salvation i surrender my life to him i am born again and as i am born again i am born again into israel i become his church which is his people which is his bride which is his child now regarding end times theology and what god may do in the end and creating of a new jerusalem and all of these different things and how much of all of this will play a role into the actual soil of israel that we do not know i wouldn't be surprised at all to see god you utilize the actual soil of of which he, he has used prior but i think we cheapen the scriptures a little bit to read these sort of passages and not remember that Jesus paid for me to be Israel. Seriously. And so as I read that passage, I read it, and I think of past Israel, I think of present Israel, and I think of future Israel, which is me. And so I can actually read this scripture, 49.3. You are my servant, Stephen, in whom I will be glorified. That's powerful when you read it that way. When you just put your own name there, you are my servant in whom I will be glorified. Isn't that just isn't that just powerful? He formed me and knew my own name inside of my mother's womb. And he knew that he would have good plans for me. And then as I come forth to life, he says, you are my servant and I have a plan to be glorified. And he even goes in this same passage and he said, and the plan is not just that. He said, it's actually too light of a thing to ask of you to raise up the tribes of Jacob to bring back the preserved of Israel. It's actually too light of a thing. And and that's kind of why I want to talk about that today, because it's too light of a thing that God just wants to save Israel. It's it's too light of a thing that that we consider too much the soil of Israel. It's too light of a thing to think that God just wants to save them. Because he says, I'm actually making you as a light for the nations. That my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So God's heart is for the soil of Israel. God's heart is for the soil of America. God's heart is for the soil of all continents and all people and all tribes and all, and all nations. And the plan in this is to raise up people like us, servants in which he'll put his spirit into and then commission them as servants that will bring him glory And he says, I will make you as a light for the nations. And that's what the Spirit produces in us. The Spirit produces light in us so that his salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This is God's plan, is us. And that we be his church, that we be his bride, that we be his children. We're born again into this kingdom. And that this light is shining wherever i'm located, wherever i'm positioned, the people that i come into contact with, not don't don't think just strangers. I think when we think ministry, we're so often to think strangers, the people at the supermarket, the people who change my oil, the people um you know, you think about all of these sort of different things. And that's that's good and well. And there's definitely a call to that. Keep your eyes wide open. But i think we think too far past our family. If every person that is a child of god would right now Shine the light of the Holy Spirit into their immediate sphere of influence—just their their husband, their wife, their children, the people at the church in which they belong to, the people that they come into contact with and, uh, in their in their family, right? The people that they work alongside, the people in the cubicle left and to the right. If they would just uh, let the light shine to each place in which they are, then the light of the Lord would shine upon the entire earth. Think of it in just the way of literal light. If I have a light and I'm lit up, then the darkness in which surrounds me is also then lit. Now, to go forth and do missionary work and that sort of traveling evangelism is to take my light into places where there is darkness and to brighten those places. And it's a beautiful thing when the Lord commissions us to do that. But even in doing that, the goal is only to light other flames so that the light can remain there as I return back to where I'm called to be. But right now, simultaneously in this very moment, with the snapping of the fingers, if every light was lit of God, then there would actually be no need for us to travel outside of our own communities because we would be sustaining the light there as other people sustain Uh, their light in their places okay so i'm not saying that to take away to discredit uh, to missionaries i'm not trying to discredit by any means the work of evangelism and the way in which how we keep our eyes open to the spontaneous moments where the lord wants to minister to people or that we uh or that we um discredit um what it is uh to have a Powerful encounter, a God ordained moment where you meet someone and you minister to them. This is amazing stuff. And these things will happen because when the light of God is living in me, and then I get in a car and I drive down to Miami, Florida, guess what's in Miami, Florida? The light of the Lord. And so those moments will oftentimes happen, but as long as I continue to carry the light of God with me wherever I go, those things will often happen. So I'm not discrediting that. What I'm saying is that's not your primary focus. Your primary focus is to minister to the places in which you've already been given. Let your light shine to your spouse. Let your light shine to your children. Because you're lighting, you're lighting their wick and you're creating in them light that will long outlist long outlive yours. And will affect their generations and their generations. And so the whole breakdown of this this entire movement is that we would not be people that let our light shine to the people in which God's already given us. That's how we take it to the nations. And so I, I just wanted to cover that we we and we can't just try hard and and grit our teeth and squeeze our hands together and make light be produced. Light can't be made except by the Spirit. So I yield to the Spirit. I yield to the Spirit. I dwell in the Word of God. I devote myself to prayer, to fasting. I devote myself to devotion to the Lord. And from that is a light that is being shined. And then by the good works that the Lord commissions me to do, and by the good works and the good words that I'm commissioned to say, the light goes forth. Okay? And so, just wanted to cover all that. And Man, I'll tell you something I had to cover today because it blessed me down at the, at the bottom, uh, what's well, the bottom of my page? I don't know where it's on your page, but in verse 11 of verse 49, it says, and I will make all my mountains a road <coughs> and my, ha- and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar. And behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syene, sing for joy, O heavens and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. Uh, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. So a couple of things that that blessed me on that. Sorry, as uh, we had a, I don't know what it sounded like on your end, but I dropped my recorder in the middle of that passage. Um, It was a sort of a mic drop kind of a deal. I don't know if it read or not. It was accidental, but hopefully it was turned together for good on your end. Maybe you didn't hear anything at all, and that's okay too. (laughs) But... um, uh, I love this because we talked about this a couple days ago about the mountains, okay? And how there was literally a preparation for the coming of the Messiah in the 400-year period of silence in between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew. God's not speaking in a way that was being recorded for 400 years. But we know that there's a lot of work happening physically in the cutting down of mountains and lifting up of valleys, and it's creating pathways so that the Lord Jesus and His disciples could actually take the gospel to the places where it needed to go, even just in a practical way. And I was just thinking, it was so neat, just this morning, I've never thought about this before, but I was thinking about it today when I read that passage It says, you know, the mountains are breaking forth into singing and that kind of thing, and I thought, wow, the mountains literally bowed down before the Lord as the Messiah came. They were literally cut down and humbled and submitted themselves low before the coming of the King. All of creation has bowed down or lifted up as in praise as the valleys did for the coming of the Messiah. I love that creation worships God. And I just thought it was so neat that even as we were approaching the coming of the Messiah, that things were literally shifting and moving even in the earth, so that not only it could um, practically prepare for the Messiah, but even so that it could prepare in a way of, of uh, prostrating itself low for the coming of the Messiah. How cool is that? And so then I love it as it goes on and it says, you know, even if a mother could forget a nursing child. I will never forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Come on, let's just rest in that this This morning. My name is written on his hand. <clears throat> How could he ever forget me? When that bill is due, remember that the Lord has your hand on his hand. He, he, he has your name on his hand is what I was trying to say. He has your name on his hand right when that bill is due and the marriage is rocky when life is overwhelming when anxiety is flooding your heart and you go oh my goodness what am i gonna do he says listen i can never forget you i'll never forget you can a mother forget her own child and even if she could i'll never forget you in fact your name is engraved on the palm of my hand i love that i love that and so it goes on and it says uh I will contend with those who contend against you. I'll save you. I'll save your children. All flesh will know that I am the Lord, your Savior. It's awesome. He goes forth. There's this prophetic of Jesus. It says... uh, The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. The Lord knows how to sustain with a word him who is weary. And when the light of his spirit lives within us, we also gain access to being able to know how to speak a word that can, in just an instant, it can uh, sustain or it can calm, it can comfort those who are weary. It goes on to say, I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I did not hide my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. This is speaking of Jesus and the things that would take place in the crucifixion. It's powerful. And, uh, and then it, it, down into 51. It says, listen to me who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion, he comforts all her waste places, and makes her wilderness like Eden. Her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. It's fantastic, and um, it says, "Look to Abraham; he was but one person, and but I chose to bless him, and therefore we have all come from his loins." And it's not—it's not in a physical way that all of God's people that are blessed will be blessed with a whole lot of kids. This—that's way too surface of, a, of an interpretation of that. The, the that's why it goes on to talk about joy and gladness. The purpose of this is to say, when I choose to bless someone, I do it, period. So fear not, because if you're in me and I'm in you, then you're going to produce a bountiful harvest of fruit. And the greatest of fruit that the Lord can produce in us is this uh, spiritual fruit that we read about in Galatians 5, 22. And it mentions a few of them here because it says, Joy and gladness will be found in her. God's Spirit produces joy and gladness. The world looks around to try to find things that can temporarily produce joy and gladness, right? And they have a great difficulty finding these things. But we who are in Christ have access to joy and gladness through the working of His Spirit, through the dwelling of His presence. I experienced that this morning as I came and I sat in my prayer place. And I just read the scriptures out loud and joy and gladness came over me again. That's a word that has been fulfilled through Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for that. And it goes on to say, and the earth is going to wear out like a garment. And, and uh but but for us everlasting joy shall be upon our heads. we have access to this everlasting joy and sorrow and sighing are fleeing away from us depression to you the listener today depression is fleeing from you it's hiding it's running away scared like a dog with its tail tucked between its legs when you spend time with jesus depression runs away anxiety runs away and everlasting joy comes out to play right and it just comes and it fills our hearts and it fills our mind And it says to you who fear continually all the day it says he who is bowed down shall speedily be released he shall not die or go down to the pit and neither shall his bread be lacking. So it says humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord and you're going to be speedily released and you're going to experience increase even in your, in your material things, even in your bread, that you're not going to lack any good thing because he says, you are my people. You are my people. And so I just love that. And it says, thus says the Lord, the Lord, your God, your God, he, he pleads the cause of his people. And so just remember that the whole big picture in all this is that I belong to God. Oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, if we could wrap our minds truly around the fact that we belong to you, everything would change in an instant. You know, it's like my children, they belong to me. They never worry about the electricity in our home. They they don't think about money. They don't think about their next meal. They don't fret. They don't worry. They don't panic you know and even at the moment of where they feel the onset of fear a strange noise outside or something is is happening that's weird they they immediately they never even think to try to deal with it in their own strength they run straight to me they jump into my bed they 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 cook, they squeeze me tight father god may we have that renewed reliance upon you as our heavenly father and remember that you formed me to bring you glory. And even if everyone else turns their back on me, you could never forget me. I could run from the end of the earth to the end of the earth to try to find somewhere where I could hide from you, but you'll never forget me. You've actually engraved my name on your hand, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. So why should I fear? Why should I worry? What could anyone ever do to me when I belong to the creator of the universe? We thank you, Jesus.